faithwire.com. Tragedy strikes Kabul, Afghanistan. Dozens are dead. At least 12 U.S. military are dead. Today's Thursday, August 26, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. We're here daily. We'd love to have you with us every weekday as well. And joining me right now is Trey Goins Phillips from faithwire.com with a look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, Dan. It's a it's a tough day, tough day. I think. And, uh, Brutal. You know, it, certainly in Afghanistan, but it's just hard to watch uh, mm. what's unfolding there. But so coming up on the podcast, we're going to talk about Olympic gold medalist Sydney McLaughlin. Uh, she says that fame is such a test of faith uh, as critics are rejecting the Jesus living in me. That's what she said. And mm. then Australia's government is building COVID quarantine facilities to, quote unquote, save the Australians. Uh, and then a Texas chemist, he says he may have discovered a game changer drug in the fight against COVID infections. So we'll have that at the end of the end of the podcast. All right, let's dive right into the big story of the day. And that, of course, is Afghanistan. And it has just gone worse from worse to worse to worse by the hour. A tragic, tragic day. Today's 12 members of the U.S. military were killed along with about 60 other Afghans who are outside waiting at the airport gates in hopes of fleeing Afghanistan. So we're going to start with three with three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Two ISIS suicide bombers, that was according to a general in the State Department today, um, he said they carried out the attack outside the airport. One struck Abbey Gate, another detonated outside of Barron Hotel near the gate. Uh, and no American civilians or diplomats were killed or hurt in the attack. According to Brett Baer, he cited DOD data and said that today is the deadliest hostile day for U.S. troops since August 5th, 2011, when a helicopter attack happened, uh, making this day the deadliest attack in more than a decade. Uh, Roughly 500 of the 1,500 Americans who were uh, being tracked as potentially wanting to be evacuated from Afghanistan have been evacuated, according to the State Department. In a press conference today, General McKenzie said that U.S. aircraft flying in and out of Kabul are getting shot at on occasion. He also said that since August 14th, the U.S. military has been sharing information with the Taliban to, quote, prevent attacks. He also seemed to indicate, again, that the attacks were carried out by ISIS, although he said the investigation is continuing. He said the threat of suicide car bomb attacks right now at the airport is high, and the pattern of attacks like this is for usually to be multiple attacks. President Biden has not said anything yet today. He is expected to address the nation here shortly uh, at around 5 o'clock. That'll be um, after this podcast is done recording. So number two here, a disturbing nugget that came out in the midst of all the chaos today from Politico. U.S. officials gave the Taliban a list of names, uh, a list of names of U.S. citizens, green card holders, and Afghan allies to grant entry into the outer perimeter of the city's airport because they were controlling the outside, Americans were on the inside, and this has a lot of people upset. One defense official said basically they just put all of those Afghans on a kill list. So Mm -hmm. number three, why does it matter? I mean, this is just one of the... We could go on and on. There are so many things happening right now and it just changes by the minute but that is the basic um of what's going on right now 
But this is one of the worst mishandled travesties we've had in quite some time, as long as I can remember. It's something that just shouldn't have happened. I mean, certainly not to the extent in which it happened. I mean, I saw the video, Lara Logan, I don't know where she got it from, but there is disturbing video. I urge you not to watch it if you don't have to, but yeah. of, of the aftermath of this attack, and it's just bodies strewn about in a trench, people of all ages and gender. It's just horrible. And... um. And so prayers and prayers and more prayers for this just ridiculous situation because it shouldn't have happened in the first place. Yeah, I think that's it's like a, a tragedy compounded by more tragedy because it didn't have to happen. Like this this didn't have to unfold the way it's unfolding. I know Biden keeps suggesting like, oh, this is exactly what was going to happen regardless, right. uh, which is an interesting shift, right? Because just six weeks ago, he was saying that what's happening now would never, ever happen under his leadership. Uh, but now that it's happening, he says, well, this was going to happen no matter when we pulled out or how we pulled out. Uh, so the messaging here is just is just awful all around. Uh, Megan McCain tweeted just a couple hours ago. Uh, this is before it was announced that Biden is going to give an address. So uh, from what I understand, he's not going to be taking any press questions. He's just going to be doing uh, a national address. Right. Uh, so he's he still is not going to take any questions from, from reporters. But Megan tweeted, Joe Biden needs to either address the country and take questions from every single journalist from the press corps or resign. She said resigning might be simpler for everyone at this point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just a it's a tough, tough situation to be in. Uh, and, you know, the the fact that what, that we were negotiating with the Taliban or are negotiating with the Taliban with American lives, like not even abstract stuff and, and dates and everything, but giving them the exact names of our, uh, you know, Americans, civilians, military contractors, whatever, uh, and needing to get them out. That just seems like a, a senselessly ignorant thing to do. Um, so yeah, it's just mishandling like at, at every level it yeah. seems so i don't know as christians our our responsibility of course is just to pray for uh, for some sort of miraculous turnaround you know for god to have his hand on on the people there certainly the believers there uh and and that he will just restore some sort of order you know through his sovereignty there because at this point i think that's the i think that's our our greatest hope Indeed, indeed. And there is a, a, you know, a little bit of hope today. We got a nice bright spot um, in in um, an Olympic athlete, Sydney McLaughlin, who's just uh, been really bold about her faith. Yeah, she's been super outspoken about her faith. And that's story number two. So in a recently posted video, U.S. Olympic gold medalist Sydney McLaughlin, like we were just talking about, she opened up about the toxic nature of fame and the pain that she said she's felt as those around her have rejected her because of her faith in Jesus, uh, but she's still not going to back down from from talking about it. So here are the three things you need to know, starting number one with the details. So McLaughlin, who just recently turned 22 at the beginning of August, she filmed the video after the Olympic trials, which are held in Eugene, Oregon in June, uh, but she didn't share the video until this week. She put it in her phone and just saved it. But in the candid video, McLaughlin shared details of her own struggles just days after setting the world record time in the U.S. Olympic track and field 400-meter hurdle. And despite pulling off the lifelong dream, uh, she said she was hurt by the negative feedback and the lack of support she received, even from some of her own teammates. She said at the time that it hurts not knowing when it's going to be 
enough for a lot of people, adding she's worked really hard and been very cautious of how I carry myself, of the things that I post, because I want to glorify God and I want to be a good example to people, but our words only, ex- but our world only accepts ignorance. I think there's probably a lot of truth in that in that comment there. Uh, so McLaughlin later added, people who have been my teammates, who have watched me die every day at the practice, at practice, believe I'm standing here today because I have followers, because I'm light-skinned. I can't control what color my skin is. I can't control who presses the follow button, but I can control what I do on that track. And that's the thing that doesn't get the respect. Uh, and it blows my mind. She also said that she believes it's because of her trust in God Uh, that people have rejected her. She said, people reject truth. Uh, Trying to explain to her followers, you just have to, we have to understand that. She's kind of talking to herself too. She said, I know they're not rejecting me. She added, they're rejecting Jesus living in me. That's fine, but I'm just being honest. Sometimes my flesh has a problem with that. Uh, So number two, just an observation here. I think she's absolutely right about how toxic our culture has become. Uh, Obviously, there's scriptures that talk about how the world will reject us as believers in Christ. They'll push back against us and persecute us uh, for trusting in Jesus. Uh, So it's it's not necessarily an easy thing to do, but it's, it's of course, the right thing to do, and there's so much reward in it. Um, But, you know, it's not just toxic and a tough culture for people who are famous. I, I'm, we're seeing this with cancel culture all around, Dan. I think it, this is kind of the result of cancel culture because it ends up where we're just kind of hunting and searching for any reason to belittle someone uh, or to, to, to call, call doubt on their accomplishments uh, or to reduce them just to their color of their skin or their yeah. sexual orientation or what they do believe or don't believe, uh, you know, instead of looking at the whole person. Uh, so why does it matter? Like, as Christians, we have to operate from a place of love. Jesus summed up all of the law uh, with two commandments, which is love God and love others as yourself. Of course, there's a whole, whole lot packed in there. Uh, but it must be pretty important that we care for one another and see each other as, as whole human beings uh, for Jesus to put it the way he did. Uh, so I'm grateful for McLaughlin's transparency and her willingness to talk about how it how it is difficult sometimes to be a believer in, in such a public place, but also be confident about not backing down and saying, you know, this is who I am. She said later in the video, if you don't like it, sorry, I'm not changing. Um, but she she wanted to talk about how it, how it is difficult at times um, to be bold about her faith. But but she said she's she's you know, confident that she plans to continue doing that. She's confident in who she is as a believer, uh, and she's grateful for the way God's grown her. Um, I guess just giving her tougher skin to be able to stand yeah. up to some of that, some of that backlash. It's hard to even imagine that uh, that that people would be, you know, unsupportive of her and criticize. I don't get that. I mean, how often yeah. is it you have a an Olympic champion in your family or in your circle. I mean, you think that the, the natural reaction would be to just go out of your way, maybe, but maybe some people respond with jealousy or whatever the case may be. I don't know, but uh, but I but what I definitely enjoy though is just how I we see her wear her faith on her sleeve, and and I appreciate that. I mean, that's that's something that uh, as believers we can definitely look up to. So. Yeah, for sure. And a bit of good news for her, too, on a, on a heavy news day, as I just saw on Instagram yesterday, she got engaged. Um, so oh, nice. congratulations. Yeah, yeah. congratulations to That's Sarah. Great. I mean, to Sarah, Sydney, our former I know, colleague, I know. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you Sydney. did it, not me, because I've come so close to doing that multiple times whenever we're talking about her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's great. All right. Let's, uh, let's move in to story number three. Now, I put the wrong teaser in there, Trey. Apologies for that. We will talk about the Australia uh, COVID quarantine 
center that they're creating in the middle of nowhere because Australia is crazy, but we'll have to do that tomorrow. Um, something to look forward to. Something there, to look forward to. So it's easy. <laughs> but I wanted to give an update on the situation in Haiti. Here's three things you need to know. Starting with number one, the details. Um, aid is just now getting to some of, of the more remote parts of this weary nation that's that's just getting battered one thing after another. Um, uh, media reports uh, re- revealed a helicopter. They kind of chronicled one helicopter that made a um, made it to a remote hillside, and hundreds of Haitians stood in a ring around the field as it landed. Men, women, children alike. And according to NPR, out of the back of the Chinook, a handful of soldiers tossed out 4,500 pounds of cardboard boxes packed with rice, leaving them piled in a heap at in, in the center of a field. And then just after 10 minutes on the ground, the helicopter was gone, flying onto the next remote town, dropping stuff off. So uh, 11 days after the 7.2 earthquake um, that killed now, this is 2,200 people and destroyed 50,000 homes. Uh, humanitarian groups and Haitians alike say that aid is only just now getting out to some of those areas. So uh, residents say their needs are greater than what they're receiving, of course. So uh, observation number two here. I mean, we're going to have more firsthand accounts of this coming up. The need is still great. Um, and, yeah. and as you know, Haiti's kind of gotten knocked off the news radar because of this insanity that's going on in Afghanistan. But uh, someone I've talked to a lot uh, after I went to Haiti and reported on her and some other things down there in Haiti is Kate Bartow and she was just down there uh, and she, she actually still is down there we're going to be recording an interview with her soon uh, before she heads back to the states but she was speaking on her Instagram and her social media channels about why they move quickly from spot to spot because uh, if you follow her you see she'll they would she would show a few videos they'd go in give tarps to people and a couple of medical supplies or whatever they have and they just move on out of there um, and so she was explaining why they do that. And one instance they had, they were hanging, they were lingering around a spot too long. It was getting later in the day. It was in the evening as the sun's going down and a mob of about 40 to 50 men encircled her and her, her two brothers and her boyfriend. And it got unruly and they basically had to fight their way out of it. Um, and, but so as Kate said, you know, desperate people do desperate things and you, you can't get much more desperate than it is in Haiti. Um, and so, but even in that, she was, she's also got these positive stories of people who desperately need these tarps. And it's just incredible to wrap your mind around a, a tarp is something that is like life-saving for these people because they don't have roofs. They either have simple metal roofs or no roofs. And so these tarps just keep them dry. And it's, it's crazy uh, that they, that, and you see the, the faces on these people as she's given them these tarps, they're like super happy. But um, there was, you know, m- many instances where she would give someone the tarp and they'd say you know what I, I do need it but give it to this other person they need it more so uh, a lot of good coming out of that as well and selflessness that we can that we can uh, be edified by and we'll have more on that um, but this is definitely a situation to not forget to pray for and that's for me yeah. number three why it matters is that we don't want to forget them in our prayers down in Haiti and I mean this is that period of time where the initial you know emotional sort of aid comes in and there's an outpouring but then once that fades away, now the long fight begins. Uh, so they, they definitely need a lot of prayers and they need still need a lot of help. Yeah, and I think that's something that uh, we're all 
susceptible to doing is is kind of we in the moment when something first happens whether it's afghanistan or haiti uh we're initially ready to pray and ready to do whatever we can because it's it's right at the front of our minds because it just happened um but as time goes on and and the you know the newness of of whatever the breaking story is kind of wears off uh and i'm you know i do this just as much as anybody else you kind of forget about it because there's just so much happening all the time whether it's in the news or it's your personal life whatever and you kind of just move on from it. So it's good to have this reminder, and I'm glad you're yeah. giving us kind of an update of what's going on, uh, because it's important not only to to remember to continue to pray, uh, but also to know specifically what to pray for. Like it, it's good to know how to pray for stuff when we can. Obviously, God already knows. You know, the Holy Spirit knows the needs and and knows our you know where where we are spiritually, knows our hearts. Um, but it's good when we've got some details that we can pray for specifically. Um, so certainly be in prayer for, for the people of Haiti. And if you've got resources, reach out to a, a charity that you know is is working with the, the Haitian people and trying to get aid to them. Mm. Uh, because like you said, Dan, they're going to need it for, for quite some time because this is going to be a long rebuilding process. All right, story number four. Uh, so a Texas uh, chemist at Texas A&M University has discovered a drug that could be a game changer, he said, in the fight against COVID-19. Here are the three things you need to know. We'll start, number one, with the details. So the drug compound, according to Texas A&M Today, which is the university's newspaper, it's called MPI-8 and has stopped the replication of the virus in laboratory tests. Uh, So the potential effectiveness of MPI-8 led Sorrento Therapeutics of San Diego, California, to seek exclusive intellectual property rights to the ingredient An agreement between the company and the Texas A&M University system was announced Tuesday. So Professor Wenxi Ray Liu, uh, who discovered the possible treatment, said Sorrento hopes to complete preclinical studies by the end of this year and seek FDA approval for full-scale clinical trials on people beginning early next year. If it's approved, Liu said the drug will be a game-changer. Henry G, he's the CEO of Sorrento, said his company is excited to be collaborating with Dr. Liu and his team at Texas A&M and look forward to advancing the development of these novel drug candidates to address COVID-19 and a multitude of other respiratory viruses. Uh, so I saw several people on social media who, who have kind of followed the development of these different therapies uh, who are really optimistic about the possibility of this drug, uh, because like I said just, just a second ago, it was able to stop the replication of, of the COVID-19 virus. Obviously, it's in a lab. It wasn't in a human body, uh, but just in a lab, like in a, you know, a Petri dish or whatever, it was able to stop the virus from continuing to grow. Uh, So the thought is, is that you could inject somebody with this medication uh, and then it would stop the virus literally in its tracks and it would not be able to replicate anymore. So your body would just be fighting a smaller amount of virus uh, instead of one that continues to replicate and and grow in your body. So it could be a really, a really good drug and seems like a, a promising possibility. So. Uh, number two, uh, an observation here. You know, it's really incredible. I think Dan, regardless of what we might think about COVID vaccines or, or any sort of other treatments for COVID, uh, to see the ingenuity of uh, these pharmaceutical companies, you know, the medical doctors and researchers, certainly in the United States and elsewhere, 
because the success we've had in bringing vaccines to market uh, and in studying these other therapies uh, that are you know, now already being implemented in some cases just shows to me how effective the free market society is at tackling these kinds of things. Uh, you know, with the red tape that Trump was able to remove with Operation Warp Speed and, and got the vaccines to market really quickly. Um, that's just something to be proud of. I think it's encouraging, an encouraging sign uh, that that we're able to do that and to to you know not only help our own country, but we're able to help other countries too and and getting that technology for the vaccines elsewhere. Um, it's just an encouraging development, I think, regardless of where you fall on on mandates with vaccines and mm-hmm. even the vaccines themselves, uh, to see that kind of uh, that kind of in- ingenuity and so quickly turned around. Uh, so why does it matter? Like we need to be praying for answers to this virus because even if I, you know, fully believe the restrictions need to be rolled back, and I do, uh, that doesn't mean COVID isn't still impacting people in serious ways. So as Christians, uh, we just need to be praying for healing, uh, for God to illuminate ways of achieving that through the tools He's given us, and also balancing it. Right? You don't want to put too many restrictions on people because we've seen government overreach run amok, and we've seen the kind of damage that's causing too. Uh, so I think, you know, maximum freedom here. We need to, to yeah. just be developing as many ways of treating it and taking care of people as we can without restricting their freedoms. Because I think we can do both. Uh, and I think as believers, we have, we have an obligation to advocate that we do both. Yeah, indeed. And uh, I think this Australian story is going to uh, really resonate in light of this yeah. one uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm telling you, I think there's going to be documentaries done on some of the things people have actually said out loud loud during this time these government officials when they're talking about these restrictions it really is crazy um all right that's all the time we have for this episode as always head on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a christian perspective don't forget to subscribe to this podcast as well god bless have a great rest of your day we will see you back here tomorrow